Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Brattlecast, where we talk about books old, rare, and out of print. Other collectible items, of course, with the one and only Ken Gloss, proprietor of the famous Brattle Bookshop on West Street in Boston. And this Brattlecast soars along with all kinds of great stories. And Ken, today you uh, have a book that is all about self-service food stores. This book goes back to somewhere in the, what, the 40s, you told me? The 40s, and the subtitle is The Progressive Grocer. (laughs) Uh, It's it's, uh, 1946, but it's not a terribly valuable book. But it's one of those books that I got in and I started looking at it, and I started thinking about what this book represented and how things have changed Basically, the self-service food stores that they're talking about are grocery stores. I mean, when we go to the grocery store, we think nothing about it. You get your shopping cart out, you roll down the aisle, you take this, you take that, you take that. Now, maybe at the butcher counter, there's a a butcher, but a lot of that is also prepackaged. And this is what they're talking about. Yeah, because the grocer, as you point out, is a different concept. Before this, this is before the war too, before it, you have someone standing there who's getting you the stuff you're asking for, right? Absolutely. And this was, came out in 1946, but the grocer would be, you would be going to a store. And of course, in many, most cases, and even after you'd be going to the fish market, you'd be going to the butcher, you'd be going to the, uh, the dry goods, uh, the, the vegetables. First of all, when when you did that, there was it was probably a small uh, mom and pop type of thing. Maybe a few were bigger. They'd probably have a somewhat limited amount of produce that you could have because you know they couldn't have the vast huge quantities. Uh, they would be selective. So you know you'd come in and you go, I'd like some peaches. I'd like that. They might say, well, there aren't any good ones or maybe you'd get your flour. Uh, sometimes you'd even get it, oh, I need a pound. They'd open up a bag, put in a pound, weigh it. Uh, and then you'd go next door to the, the butcher market and uh, the butcher would say, well, we've got this in today. But again, pres- preservation, uh, keeping things fresh and whole, uh, getting them uh, from the, the farm to the to the store, to the table. Uh, many people were just getting in their first refrigerators, stoves. I mean, the, the thing is, it made me realize how ingrained we are now that you just walk in and there were huge amounts of things to sh- shop with. In this book, when I opened it up, I realized uh, that you, you look at it and they're talking about all these great new ways of shopping and you're seeing a supermarket. And this was what they were trying mm-hmm. to show. And they were showing how, for many things, how to prepackage things, how, the, how to set up the aisles so that people would get this in one section, get that in another section. And it makes you realize, wait a minute, these things weren't always there or well, quick, well, a, a question before you go further. Question: uh, Is there an author or an organization behind the book that you want to talk about? Well, the the, the National Magazine of the Food Trade ah. put it out. There were three editors. They didn't say authors. Uh, there was Carl Dipman, 
Robert Mueller and Ralph Ed, and they were all editors at the Progressive Grocer magazine. Okay. And uh, but but basically, what this was saying, it was saying the heights where things should be sh shelved. Now I remember also even when I was growing up, which was after the war, um, a few that you'd have the Eggman deliver, you'd have the Milkman deliver. And what I find interesting is that all stopped because you started getting the larger and larger store. But the corner grocery store where maybe you went, your parents or your mother went every day and they knew you and they'd know they'd have a certain type of cereal ready for you, or you could even call ahead and say, I'm coming, I need my Friday order. They'd have it all ready for you. Or, you know, they'd deliver it to you. And, and then it went to these large supermarket style, much larger, much larger selection. They also could order in larger quantities, which in many cases brought the prices way down. And they talk about that, that the efficiency of ordering in quantity, having the uh, refrigeration devices, preservation laid out well, brought prices down, which also probably drove out a lot of the very small businesses, but you know, that's it. Yeah. The thing that I find interesting too is nowadays, you're getting much more delivery service. <laughs> it, it's sort of going back on itself and some of these larger stores, uh, you know, you have your issues, but I just love the idea that it, it, there's a whole section on alcoholic beverages and where to put those in the store and how to sell them and who could buy them. Well, there, there's a strategy to marketing that's very much probably that the origins are in a book like this because your produce is in one part of the store on purpose, just as your dairy and ice creams are in the back. You have to go back and work your way forward. There's a lot of logic. And also, do they talk about placement on shelves of items and things they like that? They talk about placement yeah. on shelves. They even talked a little about the um, the manufacturer delivery and getting shelf space. They even were starting with that because I don't know. I, I guess a lot of people realize some don't. A lot of what you see at a grocery store and where you see it on the shelf, the people who are selling that product are paying for that shelf space. And that's where a lot of the profit comes from, from a lot of grocery stores. It's the fact that you're buying and selling and but the margins are short. But the reason Kellogg's gets a lot of space and a lot of area in the cereal is because they paid for it. They've essentially rented that area. Yeah, instead and of this, the penthouse, it's the eye level. The eye level apartments is quote unquote are the, the ones you want. You don't want the yeah. ones as far down or as far up. Uh, yeah, so you, I was thinking about, and this is Boston centric here, the Stop and Shop Corporation, which uh, one of the early stop and sh one of the early supermarket chains in the Boston area, and I know you you grew up here. I did too, uh, and they would have been popping in in the around this time it would have started to expand and and do their thing and a and p and others like that right well and, and star market star market was, was also a local, right. local company too yeah and 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 they were just beginning and realizing the size the scale other things that made big differences in that and this is where i'd like this because the more you think about it, the fact that eisenhower built a road system 
That's right. That you could quickly system. get from the farm to the dairy, to the either the manufacturer who put everything together or right to the supermarket, allowed for the large, uh, uh, large stores, and then the efficiencies of uh, of style. Also, the fact that a company like United Fruit, uh, for all the good or bad you can say about United Fruit, were able to ship things up from all over the world, or South America in particular, and get those to you so that you could have these vegetables in storage in planes and boats that had refrigerated areas so that you could get fresh fruit in the winter up from Florida. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many things that go along and, and you realize that your food isn't like many people would like it, going down to the local farm, getting that, that produce, which is wonderful around here in season and getting a fresh tomato is wonderful. On the other hand, getting a fresh orange in the middle of January is also nice. <laughs> well, it's and, also uh, the demand uh, post-war with the baby boom and all that. It was inevitable. We, we had to revolutionize the way we dispense food and offer food. So this book was was definitely not ahead of its time, but right at the moment where it should be, talking up these systems. Yeah. Fascinating. And, and absolutely. And, but the thing I love about getting a book like this in is, like I say, it's not a valuable book. You probably twenty twenty five dollars, uh, you know, and, and they're not tremendously rare. You can find them. But every once in a while, when I'm going through a whole large collection of books, you know, obviously you're interested in what's going to sell, what's not going to sell, the price of it, who's going to want it. But every once in a while, you pick up a book like this and you start thumbing through it and you go, gee, it really is after World War II. Before that, they didn't have, you know, how did people shop then? And then you think about it, how in back before refrigeration, how did people shop then? And it, for me, and then, okay, then I start thinking, how did they get the, the goods? So that means they had to have trucks, they had to have roads. They had to have everything interconnected, the farmers, the workers. I mean, and, and what I loved about this more than the fact, well, I love eating too. So, I mean, that that's also adds to it. <laughs> As but do we the all. the fact yeah. that a book like this, you can be going through, you can be working on something, not even thinking about it. You pull it out and you go, when I first saw it, I go self-service food stores. You know, and I thought of like the Automat where right, you, you know, right. put a quarter in, a sandwich comes out. Or, but no, and I realized this is, they meant supermarkets because before that you'd say, can I have one of these? Can I have a pound of that? Can I get this? Can I get that? No, maybe it was much more social. Maybe you, you know, knew the corner grocer and everybody was, you know, they, you knew their kids, they knew your kids, your grandparents, you, every, you know, they know where you lived on the block. But what goes into the fact that not only do you have a store like this, but what goes in and my mind just goes, keeps going and going and going. And you realize that there's a lot that goes into the things that many times we don't even think about anymore. And these are the kinds of things that people will discover as they roam across the shelves of the Brattle Bookshop, all kinds of books on all kinds of subjects 
that'll make you think and want to uh, learn more. Fascinating. Next time I go to the grocery store, which will probably be tonight, I'll be thinking of us talking up this subject and thinking about the wise men and women of 1946. Uh, wonderful stories, Ken. Thank you. In, in almost every book that you see, not all of them, but there are a few clunkers, but if you start looking in these things, it can open up a whole area and story for you. And, and many people randomly find a book like this. Next thing you know, they're collecting books about food and produce and how to make things and how to get it and how, how you distribute it. And so one thing can lead onto a merry path. A merry path indeed. Go to brattlebookshop.com, connect with us that way, and keep listening and telling your friends about the Brattlecast. We really appreciate it. Ken, I'll catch you next time. This was fun. Uh, we always enjoy it. And maybe sometime I'll be at the store when you're at the store and we'll see each other, and uh, that will be good too. Well, just take your carriage and do some shopping when you get here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.